Hello, wine lovers, and welcome to episode number one of Taste Bends and Terror with STC Wine Girl, the wine podcast that focuses on having fun in taking the guesswork out of picking a wine. My name is Shannon Carlson, owner and operator of Midwest Vino, LLC. Each week, we are going to select a wine, learn where it's from, how it is made, how it tastes, and maybe a few wine pairing options to go with it. So let's have some fun, find the wines that we like, and take the guesswork out of picking a wine. Let's go. So this week's wine is the Jean-Marc Bougard Morgon Côte d'Upie 2020. Now, if you look at the bottle... The label is so simple, and you really can't tell what's in it. If you're not accustomed to reading labels, this might be a little confusing. We can tell by looking at the bottle that it's Jean-Marc Bougard, and it also says it's Morgon Cotupi. Morgon Cotupi is actually where it's from. It's an Appalachian inside of Beaujolais, France. So let's start there and then figure out what's inside this bottle. France, as we know, is one of the finest and largest producers of wine in the world. You know, they produce roughly 8 billion bottles per year and 53 liters per capita per year. I mean, that's serious wine business. Today, French vineyards represent 900,000 hectares, which equates to 2,223,948 acres. I actually had to do that conversion. And it's spread over 25,000 winemaking communities. I mean, that's massive. French vineyards produce 30% white wines and 70% red and rosé wines. The wine on the bottle today is actually one of those red wines. Beaujolais lies to the east of central France and is suited between the regions of Burgundy and Rhone. Burgundy is to the north of Beaujolais and Rhone is to the south of Beaujolais. Beaujolais actually runs north to south, stretching 34 miles long and 7 to 9 miles wide. It's comprised of 18,000 hectares which is about 44,000 acres of vines. So there's a lot of vines in a very small, compacted space. Within Beaujolais, there are 96 villages that are broken down by level of prestige. The basic level and the bottom tier is stuff that comes from the less distinguished areas in the south, and they are labeled Beaujolais. There's 39 villages located in the midsection of the region that have the right to call their wines Beaujolais Village. And the area that we're going to focus on today is located in the north of Beaujolais, where there are 10 villages who are entitled to use the term Beaujolais Cru. Cru wines tend to be denser and more expressive than the other two tiers. Beaujolais has a continental climate. It's a little bit more of a borderline continental climate. You know, continental climates are very hot and dry in the summer and really cold in the winters. But this is kind of borderlined and tempered because there's an influence from the Massif Central and Alps. Um, if you've never heard of the Massif Central, the Massif Central is a highland region consisting of mountains and plateaus. 
And both of these areas help temper the climate in the region. So these are not as cold or hot as they normally would be. Now, in the north of Beaujolais, it is made of rolling granite hills, clay, and limestone patches. And that's where those crew wines and this bottle is located. The Morgonco Tupi is an appellation of Morgon. And Morgon is located in the north of Beaujolais. It's one of 10 villages entitled to use the term crew on their label. Now, you may not see crew on every bottle of Morgon, but it is a crew region. Morgon is situated on the slopes of the Saône River, and it has really iron-rich soils that give wines an earthy richness. That It's not found in other the other nine crew wines. Now, the Côte de Pie is located in the heart of the Mogon appellation, and it sits at the highest point in Mogon atop of an extinct volcano. So those volcanic soils are iron-rich, and that's what gives it that earthy richness. The vines planted in this area are in a goblet style, which is just that. It's a, it's, it looks like a goblet. And in Beaujolais... The popular varietal is Gamay, and it's going to be predominant throughout the whole region as well as in Morgon. Now, who makes this wine? We know where it comes from, but who makes it? That would be Jean-Marc Bougard. You know, Jean-Marc Bougard began Domaine Jean-Marc Bougard in 1989, and he has slowly expanded to 19 hectares of vines. That's only about 47 acres. That's not very much. And there's a reason why he's slowly expanding. He believes in quality over quantity. Now, his vines are spread throughout Beaujolais. He's got five hectares in Beaujolais Village, one hectare of vines in Cru Renier, which is another of the Beaujolais Cru vineyards. And he's got 13 hectares in the Beaujolais Cru Morgon. There are eight of those 13 hectares that lie on a hillside in Côte de Pie. The youngest vines in that little hillside of Côte de Pie are over 50 years in age. Before founding his domain, Jean-Marc obtained his diploma in oneology and winemaking, but he never stopped learning there. He's been learning about wine all of his life, growing up in a family of generations of wine growers. He is a hands-on wine grower. He spends 80% of his time in the vineyard and in the cellar, working alongside his two employees. And they do all the vineyard work by hand and horse. I mean, think about that for a second. 47 acres spread across a 34-mile stretch with three people doing it by hand and horse. That is true dedication to detail. Now, in the vineyard, his vines are densely planted and farmed using organic principles that he has used for over 10 years. He's not organically certified, but he does follow the principles. And the vines are trained in a goblet style, which is typical in Beaujolais. You will actually find that throughout the Beaujolais region. So we know Jean-Marc knows wine. How did he make this bottle? 
this is a red wine made from Gamay. And there's two key elements that I want to call out in his processing method. First off, he uses semi-carbonic maceration on all of his wines. In Beaujolais, carbonic maceration is the normal processing method. And carbonic maceration is where we take bunches, the stems and all, and they're put into a vat. The oxygen is removed by covering it in a layer of carbon dioxide, triggering an, a fermentation process from inside the grape. Once alcohol reaches 2% ABV, the skins split open and release their juice. When that happens, a normal yeast fermentation will finish the job. Now, duration on this process ta- depends on the level of the prestige. And when we talk about why we do this and why Beaujolais does this, the purpose of this process really allows for color to be extracted while keeping tannins lower, resulting in soft and fruity wines. Now, Jean-Marc Bougard uses semi-carbonic maceration on all his wines. So it doesn't matter what level of prestige a vineyard he's working in, all of his wines go through this semi-carbonic maceration. And what that means is he's using the same process minus the carbon dioxide. So he separates the bunches and the vineyards as he's working so that the perfect and imperfect bunches are not mixed together during the process. Now, this is a testament to his attention to detail. And think about that for a second. It is him and two employees working through 47 acres of vines by hand and horse, and he's separating all of this. That's a true testament to the attention of his detail. Now, he'll put the grapes into a temperature-controlled cement tank, and then he allows the weight of the grapes to kind of crush and begin that fermentation process. So there's no carbon dioxide, but it's still kind of that same process. And what he does is as the weight of the grapes crush the bottom layer, he siphons some of that juice off of the bottom and sprays that over the top of the vat. This allows for the small amount of juice to become oxygenated so the natural yeast can kick off fermentation. And then throughout this process, he'll keep the grapes moist during the maturation process um, with pumping juice over. But the juice that he's pumping over after he starts this is not going to have oxygen in it. It's mainly to create a humidity that is favorable for the grapes to ferment from the inside. The other key thing that I think is really interesting with how he produces this wine is in a very popular process called malolactic fermentation. Now, we hear that term a lot, and you'll hear it in both red wines and as well as Chardonnay. And it's not really a fermentation process. So if anybody knows why it's called fermentation, please let me know. I always thought it was just kind of a term of endearment. It really is truly a bacterial process. So you're taking tart malic acid and converting it to a softer, creamier lactic acid. And lactic acid is the same that acid that you find in milk. 
And this process reduces the acidity and releases some carbon dioxide in the meantime. You'll find wines that have malolactic fermentation in them, um, adding, having flavors of butter, milk, vanilla, or even an oily flavor. What Jean-Marc does for his wine in this particular wine is he does the malolactic fermentation in concrete tanks for three weeks, which will really, truly work on that acidity level as well as adding to the complexity of the flavors that's in the wine. And then after vinification completes, the wine will stay there in the concrete vat or it's going to go into a barrique for another nine months and then finally go into the bottle. Now, outside of indigenous yeast used during the normal fermentation process and sulfur at the time of the bottling, Jean-Marc does not add anything during the vinification process. That goes back to his uh, use of those organic processes. And he spends from April to August at the domain bottling. And one really nice thing about this wine. Now, crew wines are a little bit different than regular Beaujolais wines. Beaujolais wines are meant to drink young. Crew wines can actually age and can be designed to age. When they age, they can age 5, 10, maybe even like 15 years. This particular bottle, if you store it properly, is designed to age 10 to 15 years. Now, so you can choose to drink it now or hold on to it because it really does taste wonderful right now. So we've now covered where this wine comes from, who makes this wine, how they make it. I don't know about you, but I'm kind of parched. I'm, I'm ready to open up this bottle and try it out. How about you guys? You guys ready? You know, serving this wine, I'm serving it slightly chilled, about 16 degrees Celsius, which equates to about 60 degrees Fahrenheit. Beaujolais wines do better slightly chilled um, and a little cooler than most of your other red wines. So just to, just to call out, I would look at maybe just slightly chilled when you serve it. Now, I'm swirling this wine, and the color on this wine is a deep ruby red color. Most of the time when you have a Beaujolais wine, they're pretty young, and you're going to see colors of purple in, in the wine. This is not that. Crew wines, as I mentioned earlier, they are that deeper, uh, more concentrated and have a lot more depth to them. So I'm seeing a deep ruby red color. The aromas, if I smell this wine... Oh, man, it is, it's got a lot of fruit. Um, I, I can pick out blueberry, black cherry, strawberries, and then a little bit of a, like a spice, kind of like of a licorice or even white pepper. I mean, the, the bouquet on this, the aromas on this wine are just really nice. Um, there's a lot of flavor to it. If I'm tasting this wine, oh man, 
That's good. Ah, the fruit on this, I am tasting raspberries and crushed strawberries and cranberry, that bright, tart, red fruit. And I'm also getting rose petals and green pepper, a little bit of green pepper and some dried sage. And then I'm also getting mushroom and a minerality to it. You know, this, this is a medium bodied wine. It has lively acidity to it, but smooth tannins. And I know that it's getting those smooth tannins from the car, the semi-carbonic maceration. And I'm getting not as much of like the malolactic fermentation, but it's just subtle enough to where it brings a complexity to this wine and makes this wine really just have a lot of layers to it, which is nice. If I think about food with this wine, I'm thinking of this would go really well with grilled salmon, um, maybe some Cajun shrimp. Because I think it would be bold enough to be able to handle that, or even a, like a beef bourguignon, because they they have that they have those rich flavors, and this wine I think is strong enough to be able to stand up to those, but not overpower them. It would also go really well with even like roasted chicken or roasted vegetables or creamier cheeses like brie, Swiss, or even Monterey Jack. I'm going to have to stop talking about food. I'm getting hungry. But I think that this is just a really great food wine. I would drink this completely by itself. But there are so many options when, I, when I'm tasting this wine that would go well with this wine. You guys are going to have to tell me what you think. Do you like it? I think it tastes absolutely stunning. And I think Jean-Marc Bougard did a beautiful job on this wine. You know, Beaujolais tend to sometimes be underrated when compared to their regional neighbors of Burgundy and Rhone. But you can really find some wonderful wines in extremely reasonable price points. So to close out today, we talked about the ins and outs of Jean-Marc Bougard's 2020 Morgon Côte du Pie. We broke down Beaujolais and the Côte du Pie inside of the Morgon. We learned about the producer and wine grower, Jean-Marc Bougard. We talked about how this wine was made from the vine to the bottle. And most importantly, we talked about how it looks, tastes, and smells. You'll have to let me know if you've had this wine or if you plan to try this. And if you have other favorite Beaujolais wine, I would love, I always love to find a good bottle. And I would love to hear your feedback on future wines you would like to know more about. Go to Taste Vins and Terroir on buzzsprout.com. I'll put the link in the description below and let me know. You can also find Jean-Marc Bougard on Instagram and um, on his website. I encourage you to check him out. If you like this episode, make sure to hit the follow and click the notification icon so you don't miss future episodes. Join me next week as we go off the beaten path in Italy and explore the 2020 Abbazia di Novicella Stiftskelleri Neustift Kerner 2020. I think I pronounced that right. <laughs> That's all for this week, wine lovers. Cheers. See you next week. Mm-hmm.